0: This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. Around 7% of Australian children have a disability. Our amazing person this week is Melanie Dimmitt, a local mum who embraced special needs parenthood. Thanks for joining us, Melanie.
1: Thank you so much for having me, guys.
0: Melanie, can you tell us a little bit about your son's birth?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, it was a bit of a non-birth. I never really went into labor or anything it was a bit strange so we were four days past his due date and he was still very much in my tummy Uh, but his movements were not the same he wasn't as active as he had been and they sort of tell you at the hospital if you notice a change in your baby's movements come in so we went in they had a look at him and said oh you know we can't see anything wrong but because you're four days over we'll induce you So they connected us up to the fetal heart monitor, had me in the birthing suite. We were just waiting to be induced. And my partner, Ro, and I were sort of watching the heart monitor as it fluctuated, you know, making a game out of it because we were bored. We were like, hey, high score. And then we just noticed it just dropped suddenly. We were like, oh. We called the nurse in and she got her stethoscope out and was scrambling around my belly and couldn't find any heartbeat at this point. So the emergency button was pressed about felt like a 100 maybe it was five doctors flooded into the room all very professional introducing themselves to me as they rushed in but there was this real you know sense of urgency and you know within moments my bed was being wheeled out the door and down the hall to theatre and they put me under general and they got Arlo out in under 10 minutes Um, but because he was deprived of oxygen during that time he got Brain damage. So yeah, that's what happened.
2: And did you know immediately that Arlo had suffered brain damage at that point?
1: Um, no, not immediately. Like he was quite distressed when he was born. But sort of by the time I woke up, he was pretty okay, very engaged. You know, the first thing he did was stare straight into my eyes, which was, which was this amazing moment. Um, but we were in the NICU in hospital for a week. They cooled him down to 72 hours, so we couldn't hold him to three days, which was a bit hard. But, you know, he seemed really engaged and pretty fine, but the MRIs that they did showed that he did have bilateral brain damage to the motor section of his brain. Mm. So we were aware then. That there was damage, but you know, the doctors were all very positive and said, look, just focus on the baby in front of you. He looks good. We just have to wait and see what happens. So we of course decided this is going to be fine. That's the only acceptable outcome. He's going to be absolutely fine.
0: Which wasn't so. Like you think as a a parent, you look forward to all these things and you get a diagnosis like that, you've got to really completely reframe parenthood. Reframe how you're going to parent Arlo. I mean how did how did the family take it in a moment like that
1: like that's, I think that's the hardest bit where that's where so much of the pain in this situation comes from is that you've got all these expectations and dreams and hopes you know childbirth, pregnancy childbirth and parenthood is sold to us in a very specific way you know it looks a certain way so of course you think things are going to go you know the way that it looks on the box and on the television and around you. Mm. So, yeah, it's a very rude shock when you're told, oh, no, you know, your future is uncertain. Suddenly there's a big black hole in front of you and you have absolutely no idea how things are going to go and that's really terrifying.
2: Did you feel supported during this whole time? Yeah,
1: very much so. Like our family and friends have been incredible and I think Ro and I have sort of managed to be on the same page throughout this which is you know pretty amazing it's really stressful for couples I mean early parenthood is anyway and then you throw in a disability and it's just everything is amplified um I mean the system was pretty good you know once we found Arlo really good early intervention therapist we felt a lot better so yeah we've been very lucky and very supported through this journey
0: you got a new book out called uh, Special, Antidotes to the Obsessions that Come with a Child's Disability. Um, I know that, you know, like I'm very aware of my children's weaknesses and sometimes I feel like I can over-pander to them just to try and protect mm. them. I mean, I'm guessing that must be really amplified with a kid with um, significant special needs. How do you how do you handle that?
1: Oh, look, yeah, at the start, it's really hard and devastating because you know we all want what we think is best for our child mm. and the disability doesn't tend to align what people think you know is best with what people think is best for their child you know I feel differently now I know that there are lots of ways in, of being in the world and you don't necessarily need to be able-bodied and talking to be a happy or successful person but at the start you know I had a very narrow idea of what was required to be you know a person in this world um so that was really hard but sort of as we went along and we kind of realized oh, you know this arlo's on a different path he's doing his own thing here it was quite liberating to kind of toss out the rule book you know say, you know decide well we don't know what's going to happen so we're going to write the story from here and just you know let arlo show us who he is and what he's about
2: love that mm. Uh, look, you went on to have another child, Melanie. How, how do you find parenting two children with such different needs?
1: Oh, it's really interesting. So, yeah, Odette, who we call Odie, is 19 months old now. And with Arlo being our first, he's made us quite strange parents. <laughs> like, <laughs> the way we're conditioned is very unusual. Like, when we took Odie for her 6 months vaccination checkup, the doctor was like, oh, is she sitting up yet? And we're like, oh, no. And then we went home and sat her up. And we're like, oh, actually, yeah, she she can sit up. And the day I walked into her room and the first time I saw her standing up in her cot, I shrieked with horror and, like, ran out of the room. I was completely terrified. It was like I'd seen Chucky or something because my brain... (laughs) used to seeing babies lying down in cots. I'm not used my head is not used to seeing babies standing up and sitting up, and it was actually like a proper horror moment for me.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> we got a walker. Yeah, oh my God. Bye it, it. getting here! It. It's moving around. <laughs> it was proper scary. And that's just been so amazing to see the different parts. And I was worried that I'd be sad, you know, sort of seeing the things that Arlo isn't able to do, but they're just different parts and it's really fascinating and we've you know we certainly don't take anything for granted when it comes to you know Odie's development we're amazed by like every little twitch of her tiny finger and Mm. everything and I think it's made us a better parent to her because we've thrown out the expectations you know we did that with Arlo we're like let's just see who this kid is and I think that's definitely made us better parents with Odie as well
0: can I ask about the relationship between you and your um, partner, Rowan? Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, with you know kids' disabilities, uh, n- n- uh, I want to say unmet expectations for what parenthood's going to be like. There's a lot of mm. stress between partners. I mean, how has that? How has Arlo affected a, a relationship with your partner? Does that I make really sense? I
1: really think, yeah, totally. And look, a lot of the parents I spoke with in the book not a lot, but a few, you know, had split up with their partners. Like a big thing that came up was, you know, it's really stressful on the relationship. Parents really had to consciously carve out carve out time to be together and kind of nurture their relationship because this is hard. I mean, studies have shown that this scenario is harder even than, you know, the already very challenging early parenthood stage and it's very stressful for parents. I don't know, Ro and I... I think you can go one of two ways, and we've been extremely fortunate in that this has made us closer. Mm. Um, It has really helped that Ro works in the media too, so we've got quite flexible work. We both work from home a fair bit. He has been able to go to Arlo's appointments and sort of see what's going on like I think a lot of the pain and stress comes from parents not being on the same page you know one parent really being in the thick of it with the child like going to appointments and talking to the doctors and the other parent maybe being at work and not really knowing you know as much of what's going on and being in different stages of processing it Mm. so I mean it's not perfect and yeah we have really hard days and I certainly miss our relationship you know how it was before children i'm sure most parents would say that um but i found i find we've been so lucky and this has really made us stronger if anything
2: for people listening right now who maybe are supporting friends or family members caring for a child with a lifelong disability are there some helpful unhelpful things that people say or do that we can be mindful of
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was just in an Uber yesterday and I you know, you get chatting and I told the guy, Oh, you know, my son has cerebral palsy and the first thing he says is, Oh, I'm sorry. Please don't say I'm sorry. It's really not a a sorry scenario. So mm. that would be one thing. Um, I don't know, just try you know, be careful what you say, but just try and be normal and try and ask questions and be careful how you ask those questions. Like one of the mums I interviewed for the book, her little son has Down syndrome and his name is Dare. And she told me, oh, when people ask about Dare, they say, oh, how's Dare? Whereas when they ask about her other children, they're like, oh, how's so-and-so? And And it's just Mm. a a different, they go down when they ask about Dare. And, it's you know, the way things are said can be really hurtful as well.
0: What would you say to a person who's just found out that their child has a disability?
1: Oh, I'd say you will be okay. This isn't what you think it's going to be. And, you know, I know that right now it feels like all your hopes and dreams are down the toilet, but, you know, this does get easier with time. You know, there's happiness in this experience. There's joy in this experience. And, you know, While it will take time, sort of right now, what you can do is look to your child. Really just focus on your child. Try not to let your thoughts race off into the future and potential outcomes. You know, you can deal with those things when you get there, but just look at your child. Find out what lights them up, you know, what makes them happy, and just let that lead your way.
2: Hmm. Uh, Melanie Dimmett, uh it's been so great to speak with you and get your insights. You've got a brand new book called Special Antidotes to the Obsessions that Come with a Child's Disability, and you can find out more at melanie.dimmitt.com.au. Really appreciate you uh, spending time talking to us on Hope Breakfast this morning.
1: Thanks, It's that been really fun being here.
0: Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.